Hey everyone, this is Connor. Before we get started, I just wanted to say, if you like what we're doing, check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. If you subscribe, you'll get access to exclusives, including guests, and we'll be polling patrons and generally soliciting you for ways to improve the pod. So if you get a chance, please subscribe and help Podside Picnic do more and better work. Thanks so much. Hey everyone, welcome back to Podside Picnic. This is Connor. As usual, I'm here with Pete. This time we also have a very special guest, and that is Brian Quinby of Street Fight. You may know his podcast, you may know his tweets, and I'm going to let him talk a little bit about what he does and what he's all about. Hey, Brian. Hey, uh, I do a podcast called Street Fight Radio that is about whatever is going on in my life over eight years, basically. I mean, not really. It's about work mostly nowadays and and uh probably going to start getting into election shit eventually but it's like really just two dumb guys talking about what the world looks like to them i think you're underselling it because it's really great and uh <laughs> i've seen i've seen your live shows and that's my favorite podcast live show ever was you guys with Chapo. that was awesome well guess what in one month you're going to get that again oh well i cannot wait so <laughs> thank you so much for joining us man this is an honor you're uh, th- thanks for having me well, um, I, I guess it's as good a time as any to talk about uh, why uh, Brian is here. Uh, we asked him to watch the movie The Hidden. Um, it's sort of a, it's like a platypus of a movie. It doesn't really fit anywhere. It came out in the 80s. It's about alien possession, and it's sort of a cops and robbers movie, too. And it happened just before the dawn of CGI taking everything over. So it was sort of the, the high point of a certain type of special effects you don't see anymore. And it's one of my favorite movies, but I'm a weirdo, so there you are. Uh, so, Brian... Uh, you, you saw the movie for the first time within the past week. If you had to compare it to a movie that you've seen before, what would you say this movie was like? I, I mean, it. you know, I, I would say that it maybe comes close to something like Crank in a way because it kind of just starts and doesn't it never slows down, you know, and it's like almost constant action. And uh, yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Uh, did you have one in mind, Connor? We might as well pull the room. I think the main one that so I, I can only compare this to the relative paucity of 80s uh, kind of pulpy movies like this that are sci fi influenced sure. that I've seen. And a number of those that I've actually seen are by John Carpenter. So I kept thinking of like They Live while I was watching this. Not a very precise comparison, but you can kind of see how it existed in the same cultural ecosystem. And, and I will tell you, as we were going through this, we were talking again and again about having you watch They Live with us, man. Because uh, that that would be the perfect Brian movie, too. Yeah, I love that movie. It, yeah, of course, it, it has a pro wrestler in it. So uh. Yeah. Um, so... I actually what I want to get into here, Brian, is after we had you watch this, uh, you did a thread on Twitter about how CGI, which of course dominates big budget movies now, is worse than old school practical effects, such as the ones we see in The Hidden. So I want you to expand a little bit on that. That like, what do you think we've lost uh, now that we've moved away from practical effects, and how did this movie help you kind of think that through? So over the years, uh, I have I 
I have changed. Like I kind of. So I let you. Do you guys know the show Struggle Session? Oh yeah, with Leslie Lee and Jack Allison. Yeah. Um, so I was really. I liked the Marvel movies a decent amount. I mean, I wasn't like they weren't like my favorite movies ever made, but I would go see them all the time. Every I, I still go see every one of them like right when it comes out, so it's not spoiled for me. But uh they did they talk a lot about uh how these new movies all look like they take place in like a room. Like it's like a, just a series of scenes in different rooms and nothing is kind of like none of the action feels consequential. It doesn't like feel real. It doesn't have, uh, I know I'm probably using this wrong, but a tactile kind of, uh, feel like none of it feels real. It, it really does feel the same as when I play video games. Like I, I just like, even, uh, I, I always bring this up and I hate to sh- like bad mouth this movie because I, I know like a lot of people love it. It's John wick. Like, even with that movie, it's like, what a great idea. But, like, all the blood looks fake, and it doesn't seem like anything's been affected. All the car chases look boring, you know? Like, uh, Black Panther's another one with, like, a car chase. This movie starts with a car chase, and there is really a fucking guy driving a Ferrari, and there are really police cars chasing that Ferrari, and it's getting banged up. And just from the first chase of this movie it felt fucking real to me in a way that nothing i watch now feels yeah and there is a a true sense in which it is real it's like it is i think matt crispin said this on twitter when this when you brought this up is like practical effects are a record of things really happening in the world right in a very literal sense you're documenting the smashing of cars and like there's a there's a real visceral quality to that and also like a deeper theoretical level it's like actually staging it you get something else out of it too um so i totally agree with you it's an interesting thing to think well, about we just and blood bloodless violence is fucking weird you know yeah. like that i've heard that brought up a lot but like a lot of this bloodless violence or like uh this fake blood because i mean you know in a lot of movies you'll see somebody like get shot in the head and it looks like um that Obi-Wan Kenobi hologram <laughs> like the blood looks like that to me and it doesn't affect the world around them at all. Well, and meanwhile we we just watched a movie where they took a Ferrari and pumped it full of shotgun shells. I mean that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Like they don't even need a plot. I would watch them just shoot a Ferrari a bunch of times. That'd be awesome. Right. Well this movie's really funny because they really didn't I don't I think this movie didn't need a plot. Like it didn't need any of the alien stuff or anything like that and it would have been fucking awesome just to see the scenes like go in some kind of sequential I don't even think they needed to go in order. It was just really fucking fun to watch. Yeah, and there, I, I, I want to bring up another thing too. There is a scene in the jailhouse at the end of the movie, yep, where a guy shoots a bazooka at a door, and it looks like things really blew up, and there was really sparks, and there was really fire, and it's like such a uh, like you see a million explosions in every movie now. There's like there's explosions, whole buildings blow up and crumble and whole cities are destroyed. But a guy shooting a bazooka at a door was more impressive than any of that stuff. Well, did you catch who was in the the jail cell right there? I didn't, no. Machete. 
machete was in that jail oh, cell. I did. I did realize that. Yeah, I did. I was like, oh, this. I, I know that guy. It, it <laughs> he is looked a, very young. Yeah. Oh, he really did. It's the weirdest movie for cameos, man. You got that one. Of course, you got Kyle McLaughlin from like Dune or Twin Peaks. And then you had the, the stripper. She was the, one of the main characters in Babylon 5. Okay. Like, oh, it's yeah, all Claudia Christian. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, so I, I think that, like, this is definitely a quality schlocky 80s action movie. I think we've kind of established that. And I want to ask you a little bit, Brian, about what you thought of the sci-fi elements. Because on the, at one level, this is, as you said, kind of a over-the-top cliched cop story about, like, you know two oddball partners who don't like each other initially and they have to get together to stop a super criminal. And there's a lot of like, you know, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of cop movie cliches in this. Let's just put it that way. And, and yet it's also a sci-fi movie. Cause of course it turns out Kyle McLaughlin spoilers is an alien taking a human form to hunt a much more malevolent alien who transfers bodies throughout the movie. Um, and that of course drives the action. I feel it's like, a- yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, it's a good point to mention to the audience that if you haven't seen the film, you should probably pause this, go watch it, and come back. <laughs> yeah, this will all make a lot more sense if you do that. But, you know, I, a lot of this will be familiar to you. I, I guess I wanted, what I wanted to ask you, Brian, is like, once upon a time, uh, there was a lot of like schlocky sci-fi influenced stuff. Because you could make this movie without the sci-fi, but I think there were a lot of movies in the past that have these kind of um, pulpy sci-fi plots layered into them. And that also gives you other opportunities to do crazy special effects stuff and it gives you plot opportunities and all the things that sci-fi can add to a story like this. I mean, do you think that we're like, we're missing something now that, that, that a lot of sci-fi movies are like, you know, Captain Marvel or like their Oscar bait, like her or whatever. Like, are we missing something culturally without these schlocky sci-fi movies? I think that I, I think this movie, it's weird because I don't generally like sci-fi. Although I have like I've been yelled at by Brett, my partner, that I have been like recommending The Expanse to everybody who will listen, you know, <laughs> but like I don't really love sci-fi, but I think if there were more movies like this, I would I would be kind of more into it because really what it boils down the sci-fi element in this movie is gross like that gross fucking alien coming out of a guy's mouth and going into another guy's mouth which just added to the movie you know and uh the the corny um the corny gun that Kyle McLaughlin had was it just yep. fucking ruled that like they were like this is a gun that doesn't work on humans it only works on this one alien and uh i i really i i think uh i think action and sci-fi could benefit from those mid-budget like we could have more mid-budget movies and i've said this a lot that like all we have is these ultra high budget like tent pole movies and there's nothing kind of in the middle when it comes to action it's either like really cheap or really expensive and you can really do some crazy stuff in that they used to do crazy stuff in that mid ground between you know like crank wasn't a like a really high budget movie but it's one of my favorite movies ever made and and there was like a whole era of that in the 80s 90s and early 2000s that's just completely gone now the only action you ever get to see is either marvel star wars or or at least at the very least directed by jj abrams at this point well well 
What do you think happened, Brian? Do you th- do you think it's that uh, Disney ate New York and they own all of, all of the production companies, or is there something else going on to lead to the getting rid of that middle swath of uh, of companies? Well, I talked to uh, I did I talked about Blade on a struggle session. Oh God, I love Blade. Yeah, I talked about the first two Blades on that show because I had never seen it and they wanted me to watch it, so I watched them. And uh, JDB on that show was mentioning that uh, there used to be. The movies that we all go see every week, like during the summer and during the Christmas season, used to be called tent poles because they really just were the things that held up the company while they made all the other stuff in the middle to, to experiment oh. and kind of you were able to take the lower budget and middle budget things and kind of experiment with them and and fuck around with them and see if like uh see if something hits then you might have a franchise but if it doesn't hit it doesn't kill the company and i think they just direct i think disney just directs all that money to these Marvel movies now like there's no there's not money anywhere to do anything weird plus it's like I just read a thing about Netflix with uh Kerry Fukuonga or whatever his name is from True Detective yeah, Joji Fukunaga right, yeah. where he talks yeah. about how like the the show he wrote that maniac show which I hated that he wrote uh it was basically there's the algorithm at Netflix would tell them where like, okay, well, if you do this, then people will stop watching it. And I, I truly believe that Netflix is making movies like the Netflix movies or the streaming movies are just based on an algorithm. Because like, if you think about the way that like the walking dead, a season of the walking dead will show up on Netflix and then six months to eight months later, there's five zombie movies about the end of the world on Netflix. So it just seems like they're they're either letting a computer write it or just directing the money to these shitty big budget uh, properties that are, are made by like that have a comic book or, or Marvel or Star Wars, something that they know is a sure thing like a DC movie is not going to not make money. They are always, even though they suck, which I like them better than the Marvels, mm-hmm. they're still going to make money. Even though the Marvel movies suck, you can make the suckiest Marvel movie and it's still going to make money because everybody feels like they have to go see it. Like Ant-Man and Wasp is a shitty movie, but everybody saw it and it, it made money back. So there's no risk in that. Yeah. And I went to Suicide Squad. I know what you're saying. You know what this reminds me of? You know those YouTube, like the YouTube children's channel? And like if you leave it running in front of a kid, they, they've started procedurally generating videos that have things that'll interest a child and they just get creepier and creepier and creepier because that, that algorithm doesn't care whether the adult will throw up. It just wants to have the child keep watching the, the creepy videos. Do you know that thing I'm talking about? Yeah, I've heard of that. I, I, I read all the articles about it, which it, it, I was like, well, I'm a really great dad because I just let my kid, I never content controlled youtube ever for my kid (laughs) (laughs) well who knew man yeah i don't think it's that big of a deal either like you know kids i watched so much fucked up shit when i was a young kid that it's just like i turned out okay so she'll be fine that's a good (laughs) yeah uh i like that actually as a counter argument i I think this raises some interesting questions for sci-fi what you're saying about the lack of mid-budget because on the one hand science fiction being 
a, a defined genre both in books and in movies and every other uh, form of media and associated with a lot of very pulpy stuff, often targeted at younger audiences, often very exploitative, whatever else. Like, yeah, often science fiction is associated with schlock. But what we're partly saying here is that a certain kind of schlock would now be subversive. And science fiction has also always wanted to be subversive. And it's like, I feel like if you made this movie now, it would almost feel subversive in the same way that like Mandy did, which to be frank, people are going to get mad at me for saying this. I didn't think Mandy, the big Nick Cage movie that had like a lot of homages to sort of 80s fantasy stuff and uh, had was just aesthetically strange. I didn't think it was that good. People went nuts over it because it was sort of subversive schlock. I mean, I do want to <laughs> see, I, I would love to see, uh, like I would love to see that that schlocky '80s style, like that they did in Mandy, and I I thought Mandy was fine. I'm I'm not like super. I'm not like really impressed with stuff that's weird. You know where people are like, well, that fucking movie was weird, dude. Like it doesn't yeah, really. It does that doesn't impress me as much as if it's like I'm very much. Uh, I'm a. I don't watch a lot of uh, Oscar type movies or anything like that or or any because I just. I'm really into like, I guess, adrenaline. Like I like to just be fucking bombarded with stuff. That's the music I listen to is just noise and people screaming in your ears and movies are basically the equivalent of screaming. And I would love to see something. I would love to see something that looks like Lethal Weapon or something that like an 80s action movie like Kickboxer or something like that. Like I'd love to see that stuff come back, but I'm afraid that all the guys that would make it would take that Mandy route where it's like, let's make it fucking weird, dude. Right. Let's be self-conscious about this. And it's like, it's oh. high art because it's schlock. It's like, you're kind of getting it wrong. You know, like you're, unless you're John Carpenter, it's tough to balance those. I have, I have a question that I think you kind of, that I suspect I know you're going to answer it, but I was thinking as I'm watching this, like, all right, this is like a duel between two aliens with different motivations and moralities across different worlds and they happen to have taken human bodies and we kind of find that throughout the story and you know the the human detectives incredulous about it and eventually kind of embraces it um probably if this were a marvel movie instead of being a 90 like a 95 minute movie it'd be like two hours 15 minutes and we'd have like 40 hours 40 minutes of backstory on these aliens which we really don't in this movie uh i'm guessing you're gonna say that that's a good thing we do not need those 40 minutes of world building or whatever right i mean i don't really love the i i thought the I I would think that the good thing about there being a Marvel like extended universe like this huge universe is that we wouldn't have to constantly world build because that would be a thing that's kind of done <laughs> in like the other 40 movies or whatever that we've seen. So yeah, it was really refreshing cuz like I, I really don't care where they came from. Like in a movie like this, like Yes, there is a space for a two-hour movie that tells you where all, or two or three-hour movie that tells you all the stuff where all the characters come from. But that's a movie like uh, Che by Steven Soderbergh. <laughs> I think he made that, but or like a movie that's like about a character. I'm not tuning into this thing to see like character. Like I don't care. I don't care where they came mm -hmm. from. I just want to see them shoot stuff and blow stuff up. And uh the 80s were really good about embracing the fact that like I think the 80s gave you a not gave you credit, but they also they they allowed you to kind of like just get in and get out. Not everything has to be two out, two and a half hours. Like I'm so 
nervous about how long that Infinity War movie is going to be when it comes out. Like, I just, I feel like I'm going to want an intermission during that movie. (laughs) Yeah, and actually... It's going to be like a national holiday. Everyone has to take the day off to watch that damn movie. I know. The first (laughs) one was super long and felt really long. And uh, this one's... And again, a movie that, like, the act, there is a ton of action in it. There was action happening all the time, but none of it felt as consequential as in this movie where it was just like a guy walks into a car dealership and shoots two guys and then jumps in the car and leaves, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and I think you said something that I want to fasten on to. You said the movie gives you credit in a certain way, and it's, again, this is the stuff that's been dismissed, especially in the time it was made as trash or schlock or pulp or whatever word you want to use. But really, this kind of storytelling gives you a lot more credit for intelligence than a movie that has to hold your hand through every element of stakes and every element of backstory and has to make sure you know exactly what's going on at every moment, which is like the now the the norm for Marvel movies and for a lot of Oscar bait movies. This movie, like, it's it's willing to say, like, you don't need to know up front everything that's going on. It can be a little bit weird. And as long as we've got action, the action actually is intelligent in that way. The action is giving you credit for being smart, which I think is a great move. Right. And and I'll also say that, like, there was a certain amount of cynicism when they wrote movies like this where it's like they don't care about that. That isn't there anymore because the guys that are writing all the movies are fans, like longtime fans of this thing. And I I, I really miss the the cynicism of the writing in in the 80s like action writing where it was like ah fuck it they don't care where he came from just make the movie you know or or like i say this a lot about uh how kids watch youtube videos made by other kids now so there is a real lack of cynicism that we always had when we were watching when i watched cartoons growing up it was i like the guy that wrote it was like a, a a guy in a suit smoking a cigar that's like make make the robots turn into cars or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, Brian, if you went back and like dug through the Wikipedia page and uh, took a look at who directed this and who wrote this, it would warm your heart because it would be like this guy worked on The Hidden and then like uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2 and then Bride of Chucky. Like they didn't care. Yeah. He didn't care if he fucking liked it. He just was like I'm going to make this movie and I I love that. I I love like I like things. I either like them to give me credit for not needing to hold my hand through the movie, or I like that they have so much contempt for me that they're like, he doesn't even deserve to know what's <laughs> happening in this movie. Like, he's too stupid to care. And I'm like, eh, probably right. So I, my next question, I'm about to spoil the crap out of this movie. So if, if that would offend a listener, just get out now, okay? So, Brian, let's talk about the ending. Um, I really hate the ending and I think Connor kind of likes how it makes the whole thing fit together. Have you, have you like, you know, that scene in the hospital room where they do the body switch and stuff? Yes. Is it, that's a little rapey to me, man. Well, <laughs> it's weird. It is definitely like weird. And I, I almost want, and I know they made them, but I want a sequel to see what like the family life was like after that. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I was interested in what the family life was like. Was he as weird as he was in the Kyle McLaughlin body? Did he just turn into a guy that didn't know anything about, uh, that didn't know anything about like human social interactions? Like, Oh, 
you could just see him going home and like trying to pull a condom over his forehead, you know, like he has no idea what's going on. Yeah, which I think is interesting because like what did his wife and daughter thing? And I, I had this thing in my mind that that guy's for some weird reason, like I had written this movie halfway through where that guy's daughter was actually Kyle McLaughlin's alien daughter. And that, like, they had a connection that you didn't know about. And then they just, that didn't happen. Because it felt like that's what they were angling toward in the room. Yeah, totally, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. There were all sorts of weird hints about that daughter that went nowhere. Yeah, Yeah. you were like, and then at the end, it was, like, it felt like even he, it, it felt like they were trying to tell you that he knew the daughter in a the alien inside Kyle McLaughlin knew the daughter. So it didn't, it really didn't make a lot of sense to me. And also, well, I guess they're different. I guess they're different kinds of aliens, but I like it. I think it's funny that the good guy alien is like, has this really beautiful, like transfer of consciousness. And the bad guy alien (laughs) has this big slimy monster come out of his mouth. Right. Well, I I also want to focus on that scene where Kyle McLaughlin actually meets the daughter. Cause it's, it was one of my favorite, like, groaning happily moments in the storytelling where they're chasing this person or it turns out to be a being changing bodies, but they're chasing this murder spree across LA. And it's like, this is a catastrophe. People are getting shot at car dealerships. We need to get this person now. And then it's also like the, the, the human detective takes a call and he's like, Hey, you got to come have dinner with me and my wife. (laughs) The most cliched, like got to have dinner with the, uh, with the partner domestic scene, you know? Great, great schlocky stuff there, man. Yeah, I love that. I, I, I love that they did. Like, it was so funny because there was almost like a thing where I feel like they were pretty cheap at the beginning with Kyle McLaughlin because it didn't. I don't know that they were really throwing off that he was an alien vibe at the beginning. And he seemed like he was more put together than he did right when that scene came on. You're like, this dude's an alien. You know, like I I didn't figure it out until they were eating like driving to dinner, but it was like, I just thought he was a weird dude at first, you know? <laughs> and like, uh, cause they, they did, it felt like he understood things a little bit more all the way up until that moment where then all of a sudden it was like, this guy doesn't even know how to eat or drink beer, you know? Yeah, that was, that was like, I, I couldn't decide if I liked that or not. I think that I'm, I'm kind of on your side where it's like, as long as they're willing to give me credit for my ability to handle ambiguity, and move through a story on the basis of the action and the obvious takes, then I'm like, all right, I'm on board for that. Even if the way that you establish ultimately that he's an alien is a little bit awkward and hilarious. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm with it, you know? And it would almost have to be awkward. I mean, you know, unless unless you're dealing with like a seriously clever predatory alien, like, of course, it's going to be like this weird ass, I'm going to drop aspirin in my water kind of thing. And I, I, I kind of appreciated it that they toughed it out and played it out as well. I think that was the way to go. Yeah, they didn't ever tell you immediately, but I think I, I liked. Uh, there's a I, I watch a lot of wrestling, and and like part of that kind of storytelling is that you you give little breadcrumbs to people so that they kind of know what's going to happen next. You know, like like a good. I think a good story lets you figure it out on your own without before they tell you to make you then feel smart. And I thought they did okay with that on here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you you mentioned before that like science fiction isn't necessarily your genre. If we if we if we take the expanse out of it, for example, 
Um, are there are there films that you keep going back to the well for? Like, are you an Aliens fan? Are you a T two fan? Like, are are there movies that really connect? I will see a Terminator movie no matter what every time it comes out because I always thought the Terminator was cool. But uh, I like guys in leather jackets. Basically, if you put somebody in a leather jacket, <laughs> I'm probably gonna go check it out. Uh, you know, this is gonna piss you guys off, and everybody that probably listens to your show. I like the new Star Trek movies. Like, I think they're fun. <laughs> which I know is like a really unpopular opinion about those movies, but I always hated Star Trek growing up for the exact reasons that people hate the new movie. It was like, they're never doing anything. It's like the fighting sucks. And now it's like, oh yeah, this, this works for me. So I like those new Star Trek movies. I'll usually go back and see them when they come out, but no, not really. I, I like, I haven't seen the only Star Wars movies I've seen is a uh, return of the Jedi and attack of the clones. Uh, so uh, no, I haven't seen a, I haven't even seen a lot of science fiction really. Basically it's like fantasy and sci-fi it, it, like is a really like kind of a turn off to me as soon as I hear it. I'm like, ah, oh, is this going to be in space? Like, I don't <laughs> see this. And why, why is that? I mean, why do you, do you want to expand on that a little bit? Uh, why does it turn you off? Yeah. I don't know. I think I wonder, I wonder if it has something. My brother was really into Star Trek The Next Generation, and I hated Like, I just hated that show. I thought it was so boring, and uh, it might just be a reaction to that. Also, my dad, um, anybody that listens to Street Fight knows that basically a lot of my life is just trying to not be like my dad, and he's, like, really into sci-fi. He's a computer programmer that's like super into science fiction and science and shit like that. And it just, I don't know. It just, it really never appealed to me for some reason. I'm, I like very early on in my life, like maybe, I don't know, 10 or 11 was watching Steven Seagal movies and Jean-Claude Van Damme movies were my favorite movies ever. And I kind of, that's sort of just the genre that I've, followed but i i guess like i do go see the marvel movies and i do think they're fine i don't think they're the shittiest movies in the world i think they're fine and i guess that's a sort of sci-fi but uh i just i don't know i don't know what it is about space and uh the whatever time lord of the rings takes place in or game of thrones that it just it absolutely doesn't interest me at all brian that was yeah. a very polite way of saying that uh, you're not a nerd, and <laughs> when and we are, and we yes. are. Yeah. No, I just. <laughs> so thank you for that. As a kid, as a well, that you know, you're probably onto something there too. Because as a kid, as a teen, and even at 40 now, the, the main thing I thought I wanted to be was cool. Like I shot for cool from oh. the very beginning of like I figured out that the only way to make high school easy was if I was one of the cool kids. So I had to do it. And I was very self-consciously angling for cool. Well, like, actually let's talk about that because it's something that I've really noticed as like, uh, my role in this podcast is the nerd who's literally read every science fiction book. And something has happened over the last 30 years or so. Whereas if, if I was carrying around a bunch of science fiction books as a kid, somebody would have stuff me in a locker. And now I feel like if a bunch of kids saw me carrying science fiction books, they'd try and borrow them. Like what has happened? Has the culture action? 
Is that it? Yeah, it's action. It's totally just that they've added so much action. Because I think a real complaint I had was with Star Trek and stuff like that growing up was like, you know, this seems all geared toward not showing me any action, you know? And I, I think that maybe it was just that. A lot of it takes place on Earth. And I think people just think superheroes are cool. Like, people think a lot of these things are cool. and And especially... In Marvel movies, they're given that snarky attitude and stuff too. That is is like makes you feel above. It makes them seem above it or cool. And I think that just there's a different idea of what's cool now. And it's like Captain America and not like the bad guys, you know. Yeah. So like uh, role playing games, like those were definitely about the nerdiest thing you could do. And now I think all the kids are doing them. And I think that's computers. Like it's less work. You don't have to imagine stuff. And there's action, like you're saying. Does that line up with what you're talking about, too? Is it just everything's easier and more violent? Yeah. And kids don't bully each other now either, really, in, in the same way that they did when I was a, when I was a kid. You know, if you you would just start picking on somebody because of what they like. But I think entertainment is kind of so uh, it's like everything's niche. You can you can plug into your stream and just watch your stuff and nobody's going to no. Everybody kind of understands how things they're like, this isn't made for me. You know, this isn't mine. Although I do think that nerds. Because my daughter said all the nerds at her school are super into Hamilton. Oh. And that's kind of what the nerdy kids are well, into. It's not really sci-fi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not really sci-fi. It's like politics and stuff like that. That's like the nerd thing to be into, you know? Because sci-fi is pretty mainstream. It's it's not as uncool as it used to be. I mean, they made Captain Kirk cool, which is a guy that I hated growing up. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I, I totally get that. But it, it's funny to look at it through the other end of the glass because I was definitely that nerdy kid and have everybody else like break into my treehouse has been freaking me out for about 20 years now. It's it probably harder to get into the movies now, too. It's like, I'm going to go see this on opening night, but it's like uh, never going to happen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I go on opening night, but that's because I live in a college town and it's never sold out. So <laughs> makes sense. So. Let me ask you, uh, I, I kind of had it in my head, perhaps inaccurately, that because of your various interests and beliefs, you might be a big John Carpenter guy. But since you're saying you didn't like sci-fi that much, I'm wondering, are you into John Carpenter? Like They Live, The Thing, that kind of stuff? I liked They Live, and I Big Trouble in Little China's John Carpenter, right? Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. Well, I mean, that's so in my lane with like Kurt Russell just being a cool guy running around shooting newsies and stuff. <laughs> so I like his I think I it seems like if I look through his stuff, I like his more action oriented stuff. And I hadn't seen a lot of uh I don't think I've I don't think I've seen the thing. I don't think I've seen uh what's the uh, Hall I don't think I've seen the original Halloween. I don't think I've seen Escape from New York. So I have, I don't think I've really seen a lot of his movies. I really like Assault on Precinct Thirteen a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh but no, I, I don't even think I've seen as much, many of his movies. I would say, Brian, I guarantee you would like Escape from New York based on your interest. Yeah. yeah. So check that one out for sure. Yeah, I've, I've heard that I would like it. I think I was about to watch it one night and then something happened where I wasn't, I, I got pulled away from it. 
Uh, you know, normally what I do at this point in the podcast is is recommend a, a book for the person, but like I. I'd prefer to you to check out what I suggest. So I actually have a movie for you if you're down for that recommendation. Always down for a movie recommendation. Have you seen Payback? With Mel Gibson? Yeah. Yes, I have. I okay. love that movie. <laughs> I just like like we we're going through this and you were talking about what you liked about this film. And I'm like, well, crap, that's payback. It's like that just grinding through, taking what you want, breaking down the doors. It's it's such like I love antiheroes like th- that. It's one of the things that's cool about this film is I'm a lot more interested in the villains than the heroes. Yeah, I, I mean, I think something that I loved about this movie was very early in the movie. There's a scene where the cops talking about how to show you that the cop that we're watching isn't is like kind of down on his luck or whatever they talk about how there's another cop that if you took him off the street crime would spike and everybody would be unsafe and i was like oh i love that that's so cool um yeah i mean i like i like revenge a lot like I like my career is basically feels like revenge on on like my dad or high school teachers that told me I was a fucking loser. So, like, I just, I'm a revenge-oriented guy. Yeah, and on bosses. I think your show's getting a lot of revenge on bosses everywhere these days. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the cool things about listening to your shows is that, like, you're, you're trying to make your lives work, and... I, I don't know how to put it except for hustle. You guys have like six things happening at any one time where you're trying to make it all come together. And that is so cool. It's it's honestly, it's a lot more work than a regular job, but I admire the hell out of it. Yeah, I think like my goal has always been to have a thing. Like I hated watching comedy like sitcoms growing up about the Midwest or about like regular people that never touched on anything. Like they couldn't describe what it was like to be a regular person. It never, it never tracked. I don't think stand up ever did a really good job of that either. And my goal is to do a thing that, I mean, I want to do, it's almost like a historical I want to do like almost a historical document of what it's like to live in these times, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's a cool idea. Exactly. And I think that one of the ironies of that in a good way is despite your project being to capture the ordinariness and the normalness, I think that you and Brett would probably make better sci-fi protagonists than Pete and I, because we'd be way too self-conscious in one of those stories. I think you guys would just power through. Yeah. I mean, we're both fucking weirdos in different (laughs) ways. Brett loves sci-fi. Like he's into all that. He, all he reads is sci-fi, like all of his books. He's always like recommending. I, I think he's reading some book about Mars right now, some series about Mars right now. And he's been recommending it to me, but I'm, reading some book about punk right now so i'm not like i have to be in a weird i'm like a weird thing where like if i'm not in a space where i want to read something of a specific genre then i'll never get through it so i just don't even try well i uh that's a good tip we're gonna have to have Brown at some point uh to really nerd out yep but um yeah pete anything you wanted to add or ask there no no i'm just i'm just really glad brian could make it oh hey i'm glad to do it Man, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks so much for coming on. And I think this is a pretty good place to wrap. But before we do, is there anything that you want to plug or talk about? Well, I know I I, I do have a tour coming up of uh, we're going to do uh, Philly, New York, um, Portland, Maine and Boston. 
here in a, in uh, the first week of April, April 6th in New York and April 7th in New York with WrestleSplania doing live commentary over WrestleMania. So <laughs> come to that. Come to both of those things. I we, we could really use the help on this tour because Northeastern venues cost a lot of money. Yeah, sorry about that. I'm going to try to make it. I have jury duty like two days after that, so that might be a good break beforehand. Yeah. It's, <laughs> hey, listen, it, this is just, I'll just do this on this show. I don't even think we're going to talk about it on Street Fight. It's going to be like, uh, since wrestling's in, it's WrestleMania weekend, and that's the reason we're going to be in New York. Uh, the show is not wrestling themed, but we're sort of doing a, a Royal Rumble theme, like or a Battle Royal theme. And we got Leslie Lee the Third, we got the Chapo guys, we got a few other people, and they're just go- we're just gonna cycle through everybody we know in New York on stage. So I think it's gonna be really fucking funny. That sounds awesome. Yeah. So everybody, if Street Fight is coming to your town, you should go out and see it. And I just want to say, Brian, thanks once again for joining us, man. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Absolutely. Hey, and if you ever come through Vegas to do a tour, I'll, one, I'll buy tickets, and two, we can do shots. Uh, uh, actually, uh, either May 24th or May 26th, I will be at, we will be doing a show in Las Vegas. I'm genuinely serious, so we'll have to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, May 25th is a, bit, a big indie wrestling show, so we booked a tour down there so that we could go see that so that's why we'll be there but we will be there (laughs) oh well this is exciting uh (laughs) iconic crossover event coming up everyone all right take care brian thanks man you too